Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. There we go. Good morning, Refuge. Good morning. Uh, Like Pastor Matt said, uh, my name is Ben, and I am so excited to be here this morning. And I say this every single time I'm on stage here, but it is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. It is a special place filled with special people, and God is here in this moment, and he wants to radically impact your life. Do we believe that this morning? I don't know about you, but I am excited that when I come into the house of the Lord, I do not leave the same. I am changed. God wants to change each and every one of our lives this morning. He wants to speak into your life, and I am blessed to be able to be used as a vessel for the Lord this morning. And it is so crazy that I get to stand before you. You could not guess my story, but God has been a catalyst for radical change in my life. And I can honestly say that I am not the same man that I was four years ago before I knew the Lord. When I walked through the doors of refuge for the first time, God is so good. God is so good. And he has blessed us especially with amazing pastors and shepherds, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb. Thank you so much for what you do in leading this church. And just you guys are a blessing. I I don't know what else to say, but can we give it up for Pastor Matt and Deb? They are. Thank you. I appreciate you. God is about to move in this place. God is on the move. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us, God. We thank you for the greatest blessing, you sending your son, and the grace and the mercy that you've given us, Lord. And as we move into this this holiday time, I pray that we can remember what we're really celebrating, which is you and your wonderful gift of your son, God. And I thank you for for the safety that we experienced as we traveled here. And I pray for safety as we go home. And I pray that just your words are spoken today. And all of us can, can leave not the same as when we entered. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It is, you know, I, it's nuts. It is nuts that I get to be in front of you today. And I'm still in awe of the opportunity. And, and, and you know, we've been working through this series called Spiritual Gains, Gains with a Z, you know, to shout out to the young people who don't like to spell things correctly, Um, partly because it's funny and partly because older people don't like that as much. Um, But this morning, we're specifically going to be talking about fellowship and community. And fellowship is one of the most fundamental tenets of Christian faith. In fact, we were created first and foremost for fellowship. And I just want to be honest with you guys. When I was first approached about doing a message about spiritual gains, about fellowship and community, I was hesitant. 
And let me tell you why. I want to I just paint a picture a little bit of where I'm at and what has happened in my life recently. So it's about nine months ago that God really spoke to me and he convicted me that I needed to make some serious lifestyle changes and some serious gains to get where he wanted me to go. So I went on a diet and I started exercising. I started really leaning into my prayer life and my Bible life. And I was gaining and I was gaining and I was, I was losing weight and I was uh, able to run farther and faster and lifting more and having better fellowship and making new friends. And my spiritual life was really soaring and I was going and I was developing all these things. And I was excited and I was happy and I was joyful and I was going and gaining and gaining and gaining. And then boom, life happened because life always happens when things are going well. It was about two months ago that we got the news that my older brother Joshua had passed away in a car accident. And life just hit me. And it was devastating. And I went home to be with my family. And we had this time of fellowship, and it was so hard. And it is still hard. And I just felt in those moments like the spiritual gains that I had achieved meant nothing. And I felt more like I was going through a time of spiritual loss than a time of spiritual gain. And I thought, how can I teach? How can I preach? How can I share about how God wants to affect us positively when I'm not feeling like I'm gaining. But I found a verse in Philippians 3, 7 through 8, and it says, Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. God does not promise us that bad things aren't going to happen, and God does not protect us from all the losses that we are experiencing, because we are living in a fallen world. But what Paul is expressing, what God wants us to know, and what God is really speaking into my life, is that loss is inevitable, but at the end of the time, loss is going to lead us into moments of gains. It is not without loss that we, we need loss in order to gain. We need to see what's behind us in order to chase what is ahead of us. So I just wanted to come before you in all honesty and say, I'm working on all this stuff and I'm not in a perfect place, but I'm excited to learn together this morning and to, and to hear what God has for all of us. And with that being said, we're going to be talking about fellowship and community, and I've broken up my sermon into five sections. The five main questions I really felt like God wanted me to attack, which is who, what, when, where, and why. And when I was praying about how I wanted to start this morning, I knew that God wanted, to be honest, wanted me to be honest about where I was at, and I knew that God wanted me to start 
with the question of who. Who. So what does who mean in context of fellowship? And this is what he spoke to me. Before you tell them anything about fellowship, you need to tell them, you need to remind them that the Bible says that fellowship, relationship, and community is meant for all of us. The Bible says that in 1 Samuel 12, 22, that for the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. The Lord God, the king of the universe, created each and every one of us and designed us for fellowship. So God, I'm here to tell you that God has relationship for you. God desires to have a relationship with you and desires to develop relationships in your life. It was never God's plan for any of us to be alone. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you with the Bible, okay? In the beginning, God created everything, right? He created light, and he saw that it was good. He created the heavens and the earth and saw that it was good. Good. He created dry ground and plants, sun, moon, and stars, birds, sea animals, land animals. All of it was good. And then he created man, and he saw that it was good. And then he said, it's not good. This is the first time in the Bible where God said something was not good. In Genesis 2.18, he said, the Lord God said, it is not good. For man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper suitable for him. So what does that tell us? Because when God made Adam, he made him to have fellowship with God. So Adam was already experiencing fellowship with God. So we know that that's important, that God made us for fellowship. But he was already experiencing that fellowship with God when God said... It is still not good. It is still not good for man to be alone. So that tells me that it is not good if man doesn't not only have relationship with God, but also relationship with others. In fact, God created us to be in community. And it is actually a command that we are seeking out people to do life with. God did not design us to be alone. So if, I, if you leave here knowing nothing else, if you leave here with nothing else in your heart, I want you to know at the most fundamental level that God's plan for you is relationship, community, and fellowship. I don't care where you've come out of. I don't care if your last relationship ended horribly, if your last church community treated you poorly, if your relationship with God is non-existent. I don't care about any of that stuff, but I want you to know that the future holds relationship for you. The future holds fellowship for you, and you will not be alone forever. The who is you. Fellowship is for you. And since we've been talking about the who, I think it's time that we also talk about the what. Because if we can get on board and say, the who is us, all of us, we deserve it. God made us for this. What exactly did God make us for? So I want to define these things we're talking about, which is relationship, community, and fellowship. 
Now, relationship is where we're going to start. Relationship, I think, is too often misused nowadays. Relationship means, at its most fundamental level, that two things or two people are connected in some way. I have relationship with my mom. I have relationship with each and every one of you. I have relationship with a random person I walk down the street. I have relationship with this microphone, with this stage. I have relationship with everything. Relationship is simple. And community is the collective version of relationship, where you have a group of people brought together by a similar location or a similar likes, dislikes, interests. But relationship and community at their most fundamental level are lacking in depth. I am born into relationship immediately. Once you enter this world, you have relationship. You do not need to work for it. You do not need to gain it. You cannot lose it. All of us are born into relationship. And so too often I think we look at relationship as something that is unattainable when in fact it is just fundamental. We all have relationship. What we are seeking is not relationship. When you're feeling lonely, you're not looking for relationship. You're not looking for community. You are looking for, at the basis level, a thing called Fellowship. Without fellowship, the relationships and communities in our lives ring hollow. Because fellowship is an action where we dig deeper into our relationships. Where we find the people that not only have the similar interests or similar goals or similar ideas, but we actually are active into digging into why and how we can grow closer together. And I see the world now and I see all these broken relationships and I can't help but think that the reason that it feels like so many relationships, that we're having so many divorces, that we're having so many issues, is because we're looking at things in terms of relationship. Just the fact that I'm around you, that we are together, that we are friends, and not looking at the deeper causes of where did my fellowship go wrong? Where did I stop expressing an action towards another person actively pursuing relationship. If I'm actively pursuing relationship, that is what brings about fellowship. And that's why I don't like this question, how's your relationship with the Lord? My relationship with the Lord is the same as it's always been, is he made me, he made me, he created me, he designed me to be the person I am. It's the same. It's been the same since before I knew him. It's the same after I him. But the fellowship that I experience with God has been fundamentally changed based on my actions. The what is that fellowship is what is necessary to speak into other people's lives. Fellowship is what you need, not just relationship. I think back to when I was at my brother's funeral and people would come up to me and they would speak these words to me. 
And I can't even tell you what they were saying, but I can tell you the people whose words meant something to me and the people whose words meant nothing to me. And the people whose words meant something, the people that shared with me, that touched me, that helped me, were people that in the past had been deliberate about developing the fellowship with me. It is not merely lip service. It is action-based. Fellowship is the only thing that allows us to truly speak into other people's lives. It is what deepens relationships and communities past the basest level. So if the who is us and the what is that relationship and community needs fellowship to develop deeper bonds, then I want to explore the where. Where do we need to experience fellowship? And this is where the sermon gets a little bit intertwined. And when I was working on it, I found that the where and the why have a lot to do with each other. So those of you that are taking notes, I pray that you'll just humor me a little bit because we might be doing some jumping back and forth between the where and the why. So where do we need to develop our fellowship? Where do we need to spend our time actively, and I keep coming back to that word because I think it's important in all things in our Christian walk, is action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So if we're not taking action to move forward, then we are apathetic and standing still, and our relationship is dying. So I keep coming back to action. I want you to remember action, action, action. But where can we experience this fellowship? I'm going to list three places that I think we really need to focus on. Number one, first and foremost, we need to develop fellowship in the secret place with God. Number two, we need to develop fellowship with other believers in our church community. And number three, we need, and this is the key one, and often the one where controversy arises, we need to develop fellowship with the non-believers. So we fellowship with the Lord, we fellowship with the believers or the church, and we find fellowship with the non-believers. And I'm going to go through each of those individually, and we're going to discuss why that's important. So where do we find fellowship with God? And that's in the secret place, first and foremost. Because God has created us to experience God collectively. That's why church is so good. But before that, God created us to experiencing him one-on-one. That's why we set aside time to spend with the Lord in the secret place, the Bible calls it. And for those of you that don't necessarily understand what that means, the secret place, all that means in accordance to our lives is a place that we can be alone with God. We don't, it, it really, I can go into more historical, you know, stuff beyond the secret place, but for us, for all intents and purposes, the secret place is where we can go to be alone with the creator of the universe. Because we were created to have fellowship with God before anything else. And it really is that simple. Before we did anything else, Before man experienced anything else, we experienced fellowship, the perfect fellowship 
with God. And it really was in the beginning when we lived in perfect fellowship with God. And it was our sin that brought us out of that perfect fellowship with God. But I don't want you to get confused. That does not mean that it took away our ability to seek after fellowship with God and restore fellowship with God. Because that's ultimately our goal. That's ultimately what God has for us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the beginning, we had perfect relationship and fellowship with God. And then that crumbled away because man is sinful. But then the Lord sent his son to recreate that bridge. And now we are so capable of achieving the fellowship that he originally planned for us. In the secret place is where we first develop that relationship with God. And I promise we're going to cover the why. This is where it kind of gets intertwined, but I want to finish the where's before we cover the why's, okay? So, where in the secret place, and then also in the church. So after we spend time in the secret place, we also need to remember that the church is a community that we should be looking towards. First and foremost, as believers... We need to surround ourselves with people that will help us grow and develop that relationship and fellowship with the Lord. The church is the community we should be looking towards first. Now that is true on two levels, which means that when you have a problem, when you have people that you need to lean on, you should look to the church first. But on the flip side, we as the church also have to develop our relationship with other people so that they do want to look to us first. And that's why it's so important to get plugged in. That's why the church is such an important where, because you can't do life alone without a body of believers around you. You have to get plugged in. There is no such thing as being a Christian all by yourself. Because God designed us, like we said at the beginning, first fellowship. God designed us to live in communities of like-mindedness. So you need to find people that can grow together. People that have a single-minded thought towards the Lord. Now that doesn't mean you're going to Find a community that you agree with everything that every single person says. That will never, ever happen. In fact, you probably will never find a person that you agree with every little minutia of what they believe. But you need to find a group of people to fellowship with that have their priorities in order, which just means they understand the pyramid that we're building with God as the first and foremost. So we have God, we have the church, and then we have our third puzzle piece, which is the world. So after we develop our fellowship with God, and then after we develop our fellowship with the church, we cannot forget that God has also commanded us to reach the world. In fact, that is the simplest commandment he gave the disciples when he left. He said, wait, and then go. 
God commanded us to go. And we can't go and reach the world if we ignore them and don't develop our fellowship with them. I think too often nowadays we get caught up in our little church or Christian bubble and forget that church is not designed to be some inclusive or exclusive club for just Christian members. In fact, if your church is only bringing in the same Christians time and time and time again, then your church is probably failing at the most fundamental mission, which is to reach the lost. And we can't reach the lost if we are so exclusive that we only want to spend time and energy developing fellowship with our other believers. So if the way... Okay, let's go back. I like to review. Just like when I wrote essays in college, I think it's important to tell you where I'm going and then to tell you where I've been over and over and over again because I want you to remember. So who is you, is all of us. God has designed fellowship for all of us. What is that God has created relationship and community, but those are nothing without the development of fellowship. The where is God wants us to develop fellowship in the secret place, in the church, and in the world. And that leads us to our juiciest topic, which is the why. Why do I care? Why does any of this matter? Because I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of church services where they tell me what I'm supposed to be do, but they don't really tell me why it even makes sense. We need to explore the practical applications of why fellowship is important. So I like to think of it as a pyramid. So at the top of our pyramid is the Father, is God. He is the peak. He is the area with above all other areas in our lives. At the top is God, and this has to come first. God has to come first. I am convinced that the failings of many of our relationships and the failings of many of our communities happen because we place our community above the Father, because we place our relationship above God, because these things, these people, or these objects in our lives become idols that are placed above God. But I promise you that if we get our priorities straight and God is the top of our pyramid, that everything else will fall in line. It is through God that we have the power to achieve our goals, that we have the power to carry on. I'm sure all of you know this verse, but Romans 8.28 is such, is such a common one because it's so good. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So God wants to work for good for those that have fellowship with him, that goes that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse is one that I heard a lot when everything happened with my brother Josh. God works all things together for good. You hear that, and you hear it's all part of God's plan. 
You hear that too. And I'm here to tell you that God did not design a plan to take out people as like cosmic chess moves. God's plan is not that bad things happen. God's plan, God did not sacrifice one person to save a hundred other people. That's, the bad things are happening in this world because of sin, because of the enemy. But God promises us not that bad things won't happen, but this verse says that God will show us the good that comes. It doesn't promise that all of a sudden all the good that comes from the bad, like that it's going to outweigh it. You know what I mean? It's not like my brother passed away and that allowed for seven other people to live. It's not a balance weight system. It's just that God promises, if we're seeking after him, that he can reveal to you that all hope is not lost. That, that, that there is still a purpose and that there is still a goal and that there is still a dream. And that we should not lose sight of what God has for us. But we, we, it is too easy to lose sight of what God has for us in the future if we have not placed God above us. If we lose sight of God above us, then we're also going to lose sight of what he has for us. And if, our, and if our goal is to take the hope that God has given us and present it to the world, then it's important that we understand truthfully what and who God is so that we don't misrepresent that hope to the world. And I think that's why it's so important for me to tell you that this idea of this is all God's plan is misused so often because the world has gotten the wrong idea. The world has gotten the wrong message too often. But we need to truly dig deep and put God first, the fellowship with God first, because the world needs to know what God is all about because God is all good. God is all loving. God is all powerful. But when we misrepresent him, the world sees something that is less than perfect, that is pretending to be perfect. And I don't know about you, but I do not like spending time with people that think they're all that, but I can clearly tell that they're not all that. And the world sees our God like that too often because we mi misrepresent who he is. It is the worst feeling in the world when people define you by something that they see in you if they don't know you. I don't know about any of you, but I've worked too hard for someone to randomly see me on a day and, and, and tell me that I am a mean or bad person based off of one experience. You need to understand and gain fellowship with others to be able to share completely who they are. Because if I don't know Cole, and all I know is he's wearing a Packers shirt, then I might go home and tell everyone that Cole is crazy. He's out of his mind. Because all I know is that he's a Packers supporter, and God is a Viking supporter. That's all I know. So I might go and say that. No, just kidding. Go... Go pack, go. Um, but I know more about Cole than just that he likes the Packers. 
And I would never define him by one part. And so we can't define God by one part. And so we need to understand the whole part. So we need to gain fellowship with the Lord in order to understand the whole part. The reason that we know our families better than we know our friends or better than we know acquaintances is because we've gained the fellowship with them. We need to start treating our relationship with God. We need, let me rephrase that. We need to stop treating our relationship with God like it's optional. If you're a Christian, there is never, ever, 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 ever a moment where you should take time away from God. The Bible says that there is a time and a season for all things, a time to laugh and a time to cry, a time to fight and a time to have peace, but it never, ever says that there's a time where you can just say, you know what, God, you chill here. I'm going to go over there. All right, there's times to be alone, but there is not a time to be alone away from the Lord. Fellowship with the Lord is not optional. And fellowship with the church is also not optional. Because our relationship with the church and other Christians that surround us helps prepare us and build us up to become who we need to be to do our ultimate goal, which is reach the world. Right? The Bible says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, but then when I became a man, I put away childish things. The church helps develop us from baby Christians to adult Christians that are capable of achieving what God has for us. But we can't develop those skills if we're not around other people that help us develop our skills. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you are spending time with the wrong people, then you're going to develop the wrong things. But if we focus on the church and we focus on community with people that are going to build us up, we can develop the right skills. Pastor Deb sent me a video that I think summed it up really nicely, which is that I can tell who you are based on the five people that you hang out with because we become an amalgamation of the people that we surround ourselves with. So if you want to become more like Christ, you need to surround yourselves with God first and foremost, but then with other people that represent Christ. And the reality is we need fellowship with each other because we all bring something special to the table. Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I have skills that not all of you have, and you have skills that I don't have, and we all bring something special and unique to the table. Like Pastor Matt says, when everybody does their part, every need is met, because we all have something that is special and unique about us that we bring to the church body. And there is a lie that the enemy speaks to us, which is that we are superfluous or unnecessary to the mission of the church, and that I can tell you that that is untrue. That each and every one of you here brings something that we need desperately. We need you here. When everybody does their part, every need is met. 
And yes, there is a time and a season for everything. There is a time that we can spend alone, not away from God, but there is a time where we can spend time away from people. Even Jesus spent time by his, himself in prayer and reflection. But something you need to remember is that Jesus spent time in prayer and reflection, but always at the end, he came back. Seasons come to a close, and you, each and every one of us, needs to understand that there is no such thing as a prolonged time away from the body. Things away from the body die. You need to get connected. Believers need to work together in order to achieve what God has for us. Not only because the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he is there, but also because fellowship with other Christians brings along other perks. There's lots of good stuff. Proverbs 19 through 20 says, 19, 20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Spending time in relationship with the church helps develop our wisdom. God is pleased when we share with others. We each have different gifts to give to each other. Working together allows us to achieve more than we could achieve by ourselves. I want to tell you a little story about a, a horse um, called the Belgian draft horse. Now, those of you that have ever owned any sort of vehicle know that we measure things using something called horse power. So I thought it was appropriate to talk about literal horsepower. So this literal horse can pull 8,000 pounds by himself. That's a lot. I can't pull 8,000 pounds, but it's quite a bit. Now, the cool thing is that by himself is 8,000 pounds. He can achieve something by himself, just like you and I can achieve something for the kingdom by ourselves. But if you combine one horse's power with a second horse's power, not only do you double his ability, but you double and then some. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Two horses can build pull 22,000 pounds, and then believe it or not, two horses that have worked together before, that have developed that fellowship, can pull up to 32,000 pounds, which is four times as much as they can do by ourselves, because the Bible says that iron sharpens iron, and Leviticus 26.8 says five of you can chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase 10,000, because when we can line up, when we can charge the battlefield with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and chase the enemy down. We can do over and abundantly more with other believers than we can do by ourselves. God calls us to do community with others, not only because it helps us, but because it helps him achieve and seek and save the world. Because together, we can do so much more than we could ever imagine doing by ourselves. And when we work together... That leads us to our last point, which is we focused on our fellowship with the God, and then we focused on our fellowship with the church. I'll use the example of Paul. When God met Paul on the road, he had his interaction with God, and then he had his interaction where he went away and, and, and had his interaction with Ananias and other people where he was developing his skills with the church. And then what did he do? He went to save the world. So we have God fellowship, church fellowship, and then the world. And that is the ultimate mission. That is our ultimate mission as Christians, is to reach the world. And if that's not what your mission is, 
I encourage you to re-explore your convictions, to re-explore what God has for you. Because God did not design us to know him and to know other believers and to point other believers back to him and so on and so forth. If we look at it like a round circle, God at the top, then believers here. If we're just doing time with believers, we're only filling about one-fourth of what God has for us. But the reality is that God designed us to have fellowship with him, fellowship with the church, fellowship with non-believers, point them back to the church, point them back to the God, and then we go around and around and around in a circle until more and more people are counted among the number of the saved. We need to fight for the world. And we can't fight for the world if we refuse to do life with the world. We are not designed to live in our own Christian bubble and not care about what happens outside of it. Because the world needs hope. And the world needs Jesus. And also, we as Christians need the world to help remind us what reality is and what is real. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes if I'm just spending all my time at church and then at the school that I work at that I love, hi, Mrs. Eidenberg. Um, the school that I, she's our principal. She's in the back row. Okay, sorry. Um, if I just spend time here and at my Christian school and then with other believers, sometimes I forget the world works in a different way than our churches work. And if we don't understand how the world works, then we can't reach the world. If we aren't connected to how the world works, then we don't understand anything they're doing or saying. And we, then we look down at them because we think, this is weird. This is, you know. But then they look at us and think, this is weird because they don't have fellowship with us. So that's why we need to seek to have fellowship with them. And I understand that 2 Corinthians 6.14 says... This is important. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with the darkness? And that's an important verse. I'm going to read that again. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I think we twist that verse a little bit. I think we twist it around and say, light can't exist with darkness. And if I'm chasing after the light of God, then that means I have to leave behind all things that aren't chasing after God. But that is actually kind of the opposite of what God is meaning here. The reason I've set up the pyramid in terms of God first and then the church and then the world is because God knew that if we were seeking after God but then didn't develop our Christian habits, then the fellowship with the world is going to drag us down to the world. We have to be prepared to drag the world up with us and not the other way around. But in order to drag the world up, we need to be with the world. The Bible says we're in the world, but not of it. But how can we remind the world that we're not of it if we're not actually living with it, if we're not actually in it? 
Because we're not really in it if we're just in the church. Then we're not really living life with the world. So I told you the who. You and I. God has fellowship for us. And can the worship team come on up? Thank you. So I told you the who. God has fellowship for you and I. And I told you the what. We have relationship. We have community. But without fellowship, they mean nothing. I told you the where in the secret place, the church, and the world. And I told you the why is that God needs to be above all things to help develop us. The church helps bring us along. And the world is our goal. And that leaves us our last question, which is the when. And this is a question that means a lot to me because more so than any other time in my life, I recognize that tomorrow is not promised and that life can get in the way and that we need to not waste our time doing whatever we want. It is important that we, right now, seek after the fellowship that God has for us. Because I don't know about any of you, but I am sick and tired of not living my life to the fullest extent that God wants me to live it. And God does not desire for any of us to be alone. God desires that we taste and see that the Lord is good. But he doesn't want you to wait and taste tomorrow. He doesn't want you to wait and taste next Sunday or next week or at Christmas, or any time in the future, today is the day and now is the time that God has fellowship and relationship with you. You can put it off as long as you want, but there is no guarantee. If we put things off, you never know. But we do know that if we don't put it off, if we seek after what God has for us now in this moment, that God can do so much things, so many things for us. If you could all stand, I'd like to lead us in a prayer. For those of you that are feeling lonely or feeling like we're not having fellowship to the extent that we could be, I encourage you to repeat after me, as we dig deeper into what that fellowship is and what God has for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of Jesus. We thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for all the things that you've given us. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you want fellowship for us. You want fellowship for me. We pray that you open up the doors and we commit to step forward in faith. We commit to seek after those relationships. 
We commit to an action, an action of fellowship. We commit to you, Lord. We dedicate our lives to you and the development of fellowship in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being attentive to the word. I appreciate it. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.